0: Prime Matters presents this three-part series on the interior life with Monsignor Tom Richter of the Diocese of Bismarck. Prime Matters is a groundbreaking project of educational outreach of the University of Mary, awakening the Catholic imaginative vision. Episode 3, Actively Receiving, Actively Rejecting. A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you'd have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you do not even have a bucket and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so they may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, you're right in saying I do not have a husband for you've had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So before I get into tonight's uh, topic, tonight's title is Actively Receiving Requires Actively Rejecting. Active receptivity requires active rejectivity. But before I get into that, I want to to give an overarching sort of uh, framing for the last two days leading up to today. So I've been wanting to hold up, students, I've been wanting to hold up to you that when it comes to friendship with Jesus, when it comes to the Christian life, we have to make sure we diagnose rightly like what the issue is that we, we make a proper diagnosis. You've all heard perhaps this uh, silly story. I'm sure you've heard uh, uh, many pre- desperate priests say this like I am tonight um, about the guy who comes into the doctor and says uh, he's dying from cancer. He's uh, convinced he's dying from cancer. Doctor, uh, you gotta do something. My body is plump full of cancer. My body hurts everywhere. Look at right here, and he takes his, he points on, uh, to his leg, bottom leg, ouch, and he couldn't take it, it would hurt so bad. And then he uh, touched his thigh, ouch, that hurts too. And he touched his stomach, that hurts too. Touched his bicep, that hurts too, his, his uh, chest, et cetera. I hurt all over, I'm plump full of cancer. The doctor said, wait a minute, let me see your finger. He said, you don't have cancer. Your fingers just broke. <laughs> that's, that's where all the pain is coming from. And so I, wanted to, I want to hold up to you, everyone, that these last three days I'm proposing to you that the big problem, the big, our big problem, is the heart doesn't know how to receive from God. And if we don't diagnose that rightly, we come up with all kinds of other problems. This is key, I I believe, in becoming a friend of Jesus and remaining with God and staying with him, especially at the cross. So, for example, the two biblical figures that I find so helpful in this, right, is first the elder son. You remember the story of the elder son. I'm not going to read it to you, but how the younger son comes back. The father uh, kills the fatted calves, throwing him a party because his son was dead and is now uh, alive, and the elder son won't come in. You remember that whole thing, right? And then the father goes out to the elder son and says, son, why aren't you coming in? And remember the dialogue that happened. The son says, father, I have worked for you my whole life. I have never disobeyed a one of your orders, but you have never given me so much as a kid goat to celebrate with my friends. But when this other son of yours comes back, you kill the fatted calf. And then you remember the father's response. All that I have, all that I have, I've given you. Right? So here you have this son, which represents all of us, before the father who represents God, experiencing, not experiencing God's goodness. And he says, what's going on, God? I pray every day, I go to mass, but you don't actually give yourself to me. And God says to all of us, all I have, I have given you. So what's the problem? The elder son the elder son is incapable of receiving. Good people, if you're not going to find this, you're not going to find this in the catechism. This is my own thing. You're free to disagree with me and live in darkness. That's up to you. <laughs> but if you were to ask me like what is the greatest effect of original sin? Like, all this stuff went wrong with us. Like, what is, what really went wrong? I would say toward the top. What happened with original sin is our capacity to receive from God was deeply harmed. It was so easy before. God gave, Adam received, and it overflowed. Into Eve. God poured himself out. Adam received it, overflowed. And now, because of original sin, God is still giving himself. And our experience of him can be so limited. Because our capacity to receive has been so harmed. This is, my, this is simply my stuff. But I think that's true. I think it's the same problem with Martha. Huh? Martha is so burdened and her life is so, she can't enjoy life. But when you think about her circumstances, students, think about this. God coming in the flesh to your home Eating at your table, you get a host him, you get a cook for him. He came to your house and you're mad. You're burdened. Now, if we don't diagnose that rightly, if we don't diagnose that rightly, we say, right, Martha is upset because she has so much to do and Mary isn't helping her. That's simply not the case. She's cooking for three. <laughs> right? Cooking for three. And she was the one invited, you see it in, from Luke, she's the one who invited Jesus over. It's not like Mary said, hey, <laughs> um, Mary, I had a bunch of people come over, you do all the work, and I'm going to hang out. What's Martha's problem? Not that she has so many responsibilities. She is alone in them. Now listen to me, college students. I was in college before. I understand you have a lot of responsibilities, but if your experience is just being burdened and heavy, And it's not enjoyable. You need to understand the problem isn't because of all your responsibilities. You're not able to be with God in them. That's the problem. That's the problem. You're not receiving the God who wants to be with you in all of this. And so we need to make sure we see clearly what the, what the issue is. Um, and that's what I hold up to you. That's what I've wanted to hold up to you this whole weekend. The issue is our, our capacity to receive God has been terribly damaged, and now it's a lot of work. What does that work look like? What is the work that receives? It's the work of faith faith receives what does faith do first and foremost faith receives God if my experience of life is being alone and burdened I'm not living by faith I didn't mean that in a judgmental way but that's the truth so right i and and so the first night the first night in order to receive what does faith do the first night we covered this what does faith do in order to receive from god get god right so we're actually relating to the true god the beautiful god the amazing god the unbelievable god who is love always giving himself who is the sun always shining on me, Niagara Falls always pouring out on me. The amazing God who leapt down from heaven and wants to give himself bodily to me, his blood, his body, his soul, his person. He holds back nothing. College girls, if you've ever had a a good man chase you and pursue you, this ain't nothing to God. Huh? So if if we're not if we're not receiving him, if we're not meeting him, it's not cuz he's not chasing us. So the first step is faith sees the true God. And what faith sees is You are always with all your omnipotence and omniscience, just always like willing and laboring for my good. And so I stand in a posture that is now so liberating. Then last night, last night, the second thing, the second thing faith does to receive once it sees this true God, the primary thing faith does is it acknowledges, it acknowledges and brings to this God. It acknowledges and relates. It acknowledges and relates. How do you know you're receiving from God? Not because of how you feel, not because of you've, you've witnessed outcomes because you are acknowledging and bringing your need, whatever that need is, to God. Because God is a giver and he gives in need. Where we meet God, the intersection between God and us, the giving God and our hearts receiving, the intersection where God gives and I receive, the intersection there is human need. Especially like where you need hope where you need freedom to love right there okay that's what we've uh, done thus far I now have 12 minutes for this talk but I think the review is good the review is good so, dear students, how do you know if you're growing in faith? Listen, you, you don't want to get too much into this, like, self-analysis or self-assessment. But how do you know if you're growing in faith? There's many ways to measure that. Like, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. That would be, that would be long vision. Like, if you were to ask yourself, if you were to ask yourself, self is my present self today, more more loving joyful peaceful faithful gentle self-controlled than i was a year ago is my life bearing the fruits of the holy spirit more today than a year ago then i'm growing in faith the fruits of the holy spirit but i think the most concrete the, the the most like concrete boots on the ground in a a smaller window sort of way is do I experience a need acknowledge it and relate it to Jesus more quickly and give it to him and go on and do my daily duty that is a wonderful way to have a certain sort of idea of I'm growing in faith okay so now uh, tonight, tonight, I want to um, talk about a third thing faith does in order to receive from God. The fir- thir- this third thing faith does to receive from God in order to actively receive. Right. So, so everyone, don't, please don't leave here thinking that Monsignor is taught, when I say receiving, I'm not talking about a passive thing. It's actively receiving by what faith does, acknowledge, relate. The other, the, the thing faith does tonight that I wanna talk about is faith actively rejects what's not from God. And dear college students, I think for young people the primary way your heart receive the primary thing faith needs to do for you to receive from God is to reject all the junk inside of you that is not from God. And I'm not just talking about steamy stuff. I'm talking about all kinds of stuff that tries to beat you down. That if one isn't rejecting that, then one is receiving that. And if I'm receiving that which is not from God, I can't receive that which is from him. So the first step to turn my heart to God to receive from him is to reject that which is not from him. All of you who know St. Ignatius of Loyola, his 14 rules of discernment, right? The first 14 rules... You understand, in the very beginning, he says, he uh, sets out the three steps of discernment. Awareness, being aware of spiritual movements. Second step, understanding the source of those movements. Understanding the source of those movements. Does it come from God or does it come from uh, what he calls the bad spirit? Awareness, understanding the source of the movement. And then the two actions are to receive what is from God and to reject what is not. So actively receiving and actively rejecting are the two sides of the same coin. And in my own personal experience and my experience of directing people in spiritual direction and giving retreats, what I find most commonly the person fails in rejecting this stuff that's not from God and believing it. And so let me walk through a couple of things. No, I'm not going to walk through a couple of things yet. I got some more to stay. I, I want to I set this up. What, what I'm saying we see in, in Scripture Right? Think about this, everyone. Where did Adam and Eve fail? How did they fail? When did they stop receiving from God? They failed. Adam and Eve failed by not rejecting the voice of the enemy. Uh, original sin was a lack of rejecting this voice from the enemy. They received what God said. They received it. But then when the voice of the enemy came, they didn't reject it. All hell broke loose because a heart didn't reject was not oh, that which was not from God. We got to be really careful. Right? We we want to be tolerant wonderful, loving people, but tolerance can't mean that I receive that which is not from God. Secondly, secondly, when was the Nicene Creed written? 325, right? Council of Nicaea. The, the Apostle, Apostles' Creed, I think historically, they say uh, happened before that. But the first creed, the first creed, um, Christian creed, um, uh, what I've studied, the first creed was baptismal promises. Before the Apostles' Creed came along, before the Nicene Creed came along, the way people expressed their Christian faith was through the baptismal promises. And the first thing in the baptismal promises is, do you reject Satan. The act of rejecting is the first Christian act. Okay? So this needs to happen in order to stay in a place of receiving from the God who gives himself to me. Why? Because God who is love, is giving himself. God is like water. It goes to the lowest place where we're in deepest need. And that is sometimes not pleasant. Often, often shame, etc. around there. Thus, the reason I read this gospel, everyone, did you did you hear? I didn't read the whole thing. I shortened it up. I shortened it up um, just for time's sake. But did you follow Jesus entering in with this dear woman, and he says, "Give give me a drink," and she says, "Right, uh, how can I give you a drink?" Um, you're a Jew, you don't have a bucket. And then Jesus does the airplane trick, right? Like we talked about first night, okay? He didn't drink the water, he didn't lie to her. But, but uh, he's getting her, he said, if, if you would know who I am, you would ask me for a drink. Finally, he gets her to say, Jesus, what you want for me, I want. For the first 45 years of my life, I then totally misunderstood the next line. She finally, Jesus finally gets her to say, give me a drink. And what does Jesus do? Go get your husband. I'm like, that is the first case of ADD (laughs) I've ever experienced in scripture. Like, Jesus the Savior, who's perfect, had ADD. It was like, this, this woman you just set up to receive from you, you got her in the place, and now you're, like, changing the subject. But right, he didn't. When, he, when she said, Jesus, I want to receive you, I want to receive what you're giving, where did he go? The place that she hid her whole life. The place that she hated most about herself. That's why she was there alone at noon. This place. This place where Jesus wants to go and where God wants to be received is also, dear dear people, the place where the enemy wants to get us self-absorbed. Self-absorbed and self-loathing. To avoid it. and all this other stuff around there. This is why, in order to receive, one has to reject all that stuff that comes at us in this place. So students, it would be this. I'm hoping by the end of tonight, you know this place where you have to reject. So like if you had a magic wand and you could like get rid of this place in your life. That's the special place. Ain't that fun? <laughs> this is the place where the Lord is wanting to, to give himself, to redeem, to save, to give hope to, But it's also the place, it's also the place where the enemy wants us to get turned in, uh, self-condemning, self-focused, and all alone there. Where we're all alone and burdened. It's the same place depending on which one I follow. It's amazing. Huh? The two thieves. For one thief, it was the place where he was saved. For the other, precisely the place where he rejected Jesus. In this place... Everyone, in this place, what one needs to be able to reject, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. In this place, what does one need to reject? One needs to reject this focus on somehow controlling this thing. The focus on controlling this thing, you can't control, but you want to. You can't change, but you want to. You can't cause, but you want to. There is where the Lord wants us to acknowledge and relate, but right there is where the enemy wants to get us turned in and alone and burdened and it can happen dozens of times in one day Jimmy and Johnny were six years old they were buddies they would often get together at the local park and hang out and Jimmy had a really hard life, it was difficult for him. And on this particular night, he had a hard time sleeping because he had so much on his mind and so many heavy things and responsibilities. And so as he tried to go to bed, this little six-year-old boy, he tossed and turned because he couldn't figure out how he's gonna pay the mortgage, how he's gonna buy groceries, how he's gonna pay the heating bill, and how he was going to um, do everything else that he needed to do. Well, finally, after a rough night, he got up, went down to the park, to meet Johnny and Johnny is having the time of his life um, playing on the monkey bars. He doesn't even have a helmet on Johnny, he's so free. And um, those are different days. And he's having fun and he says, hey, Jimmy, how you doing? And Jimmy says, not well. Johnny says, why? I, it's just so much. I don't know how I'm going to pay the mortgage. I don't know how I'm going to buy groceries. I don't know how I'm going to do all these things. And Johnny stops and looks at him and says, Jimmy, my mom, my, my mom and dad do that for me. You're not supposed to focus on that. Why are you thinking about that? That's beyond you. Dear people, listen. The experience of life that way is precisely because we're doing what Jimmy is doing. We're being pulled in around something that's beyond us. And we got to start rejecting that temptation of dwelling on it, focusing on it, thinking about it. And it can get deep in all of us around all kinds of things. And so when I say one has to actively reject, this is this is what I encourage us to focus specifically on. What is the thing in my life that I would like to make happen but can't? Students, it could be grades. It could be relationships. You might not know what your major is, and you can't figure it out. if, If I follow that which is not from God, I get all alone in my mind and dwell on it, and it just takes me to a bad place. It's what I call non-relational intellectual activity, non-relational intellectual activity of an eye thou uh, devoid of an I-Thou relationship. When that's happening, one is following that which is not from the Lord. And so I didn't I didn't read it tonight, but I want to close. I want to close. With uh, a gospel that I've used many times to teach this a lesson on what that's like inside, what that looks like, and uh, the, the whole sort of spiritual nature of it, you I trust you all know very well the gospel passage of Matthew 14:22 through 33. Matthew 14:22 through 33. This is the story right, of Jesus walking on water. And then Peter uh, steps out of the boat. Now, it is so, I find it so insightful on this very reality of actively receiving and actively rejecting simultaneously in this place that's beyond me. So, uh, right, it's two or three in the morning. The apostles are in a storm. Jesus comes on the water. They think it's, uh, he's a ghost. He says, don't be afraid. It's, it is I, Peter. This amazing man says, I know Jesus is someone that pulls me to a place that's beyond me and then takes care of me. So he says, if it is you, tell me to come. So Jesus says, come. Do you understand how amazing that is? He was afraid he was going to die in the boat. And now he gets out of the boat in which he thought he was going to die. It's possible for us to live that, to live our entire lives, never making that kind of beautiful choice. Right? You're like me. Your instincts would have been, Jesus, if it is you, get the heck in this boat and stop this storm. Do you, do you see those instincts? Jesus, I want you to do everything. I want you to do everything. I want you to take away everything in my life where I need you. I want you I want you to be a God who gets rid of all the circumstances in my life that are beyond you or that are beyond me, but not Peter. If it is you, tell me to come to you to a place where I need you and you'll take care of me. So he gets out, he gets out, and he's walking on water. But Peter can't walk on water, right? But Jesus can, which means what? Peter is receiving from Jesus. What's in Jesus is in Peter. He's actually receiving from Jesus. He's receiving from Jesus. He's actively receiving from Jesus as he's focused on Jesus in this storm that's beyond him. But then the key text, right, the key text is, it says this, Peter noticing the force of the wind and the strength of the storm began to sink. College students, did you hear that? When he focused on this thing that's beyond him, when he focused on this thing that's beyond him, this storm, that he wants to change, but can't. When he focused on that, he stopped receiving and sunk. He stopped receiving from Jesus and he sunk. Jesus didn't stop giving. He sunk. Then he says, Jesus saved me. Jesus grabbed him. Ah, uh, grabbed him, threw him in the boat. Threw him in the boat with great love. <laughs> and then said, Oh, you have little faith. I mean, talk about talking about scary, right? He said, You have little faith. And I'm sitting there, holy cow. I hope I have enough faith to ever do that. And Jesus says, What you did was little faith. Why did you doubt? So Jesus has named, Jesus has named when you are aware of something that's beyond you that you'd like to control but can't and you get focused on it, you you are now following the spirit of doubt. Not of faith and thus you can't receive and so you sink and you're all alone and life's really hard and really bad catch that everyone we're a we are addicts, and what we're addicted to is control. We're all addicts. And we got to stop drinking in this drug of control. To become aware of that which is beyond us and entrust it and go back to eating our Cheerios to be aware of this thing I'd like to change but can't entrust it and go back to my studies getting a C- minus wanting I wishing I could get an A but I I can't control that so I go back to my studies This is the centerpiece to remaining with Jesus. Do we have humility to acknowledge that which is beyond us and trust it and not dwell on it? No matter how much Peter thinks about walking on water, No matter how much he tries to figure that out. No matter how many books of walking on water for dummies he reads, he can't do it. And so uh, we need to really take that to heart. So good people... I leave you with that are you able to name that in your life and for this Lent to get really serious about I'm not going to drug. I'm not going to smoke that drug take that drug anymore when that thought comes up that pulls me to a place I'd like to change but can't that's beyond me I'm not going there any more. Jesus, it's your problem. I entrust it to you. Let us do that. Please kneel. Jesus, We love you, we adore you, we thank you for being so humble, so little, so generous. We are in awe and wonder, overwhelmed, that you have emptied yourself so that we can eat you, so that we can adore you, so we can have you, we can drink your blood. It is overwhelming. Thank you for your self-emptying. We want to empty ourselves. We want to surrender to you so that all these incomprehensible desires you have for us may be fulfilled in us and through us. We want to love the cross, Jesus. This place where we stand helpless and you pour out love like Mary at the cross. We want to stop hating this place. We want to stop rejecting our need for you, our poverty, our dependence, our littleness. And we want to receive you there where you give yourself We need you to do something for us. Grant us that favor.